Welcome, my name is Jaden Haney. I'm a proud Wachabalik and Jabajali man. Before we start on the Get A Grip podcast, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the land that we are recording this podcast on today, the land of the Wadhram people of the Kulin Nation. Here at Get A Grip podcast, we would like to extend our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Thank you. enough sleep do you spend enough time in nature do you have regular hobbies and these are all aspects of our mental health and well-being our mental health impacts all areas of our lives and it isn't only about having a mental illness today we talk about all things mental health and chat about how you can improve yours and others overall well-being Hello everyone, I'm Sally and I'm Dan and today we're talking all things mental health and well-being. So Dan, we're going to be looking at a a broad perspective of what mental health and well-being is. So Sal, could you tell me a little bit about what mental health is? Mm. So mental health is, as defined by the World Health Organization, a state of mental well-being that enables people to cope with stresses of life realise their abilities, learn well and work well and contribute to their community. So mental health is a really important part of our overall health and wellbeing and in fact there's no health without mental health. And if we're looking at at mental health we, we can look at it on a continuum. So on one end of the continuum you have optimal mental health or good mental health And then further down on the continuum, we have poor mental health. And so everybody will move between optimal mental health and poor mental health throughout their life. It's a a normal part of being human. And just like our physical health, when we experience poor mental health and well-being, um, we may feel a little bit off, a little bit flat, a little bit down, but that doesn't mean that we need to seek professional mental health support, just like when we have a cold or you know a stomach bug or just be feeling physically run down, we don't necessarily need to seek uh, support from a, you know, a GP or someone like that. So I suppose to sum it up, our mental health when we're feeling mentally healthy and in that space of good optimal mental health we're feeling capable confident we can handle daily pressures we can think clearly and we can stay connected with our loved ones hopeful about the future and we can just maintain our everyday healthy routines dan you're the well-being expert and i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) oh i think you are um (laughs) part of uh if we're looking at the term mental health and well-being we've also got to look at that other part that well-being part so how does well-being fit in with with this well when we think about wellness and well-being they're two terms that are used quite you might commonly hear and they're used interchangeably So sometimes we might use the term well-being and other times we might use the term wellness. But generally, we're going to use the term well-being Mm. to talk about what it actually is and we're going to unpack it. So well-being actually refers to a state of well-being that we strive for, so we innately strive for. We don't actually realise a lot of the time that internally 
we are pulled toward well-being and that is how we are as humans we want um, what is good for us so we are pulled more toward things that we enjoy so well-being is active it's lifelong um, and it's an ongoing process and it's unique to each individual which is really important and when we look at well-being um, there's really four terms that we use to describe what well-being is and it helps us understand so firstly we're going to talk about the term hedonomic well-being so we refer to hedonomic well-being or subjective well-being and it includes the positive affect of each individual and our life satisfaction which looks different for everybody because we all want different things throughout our life and it really focuses on the experience of moving toward pleasure mm -hmm. and moving away from pain mm -hmm. so we actually move toward pleasure and we like to do things that we enjoy so when we talk about for example going to the gym if that's a goal that we have we like the idea of how we might feel when we go to the gym after we've been to the gym but when we're at the gym it can be painful <laughs> so like leg day <laughs> so we don't always um we don't always do the thing that we um might need to do that is good for us because it, it can be painful yeah right so we move away from it yeah okay so it's sort of like using leg day for example um you know that during leg day while you're there at the gym you're not necessarily enjoying it you're working hard in that moment but you know the payoff afterwards is going to make you feel good yeah versus absolutely. skipping leg day and then that might lead to skipping many leg days yes and in that moment of skipping leg day and sleeping in you feel good yes but you don't necessarily feel good afterwards yep okay. absolutely and it can be um so similar to when we talk about emotions as well so we are drawn toward love mm. we are drawn toward emotions that make us feel good and pleasure mm. and sometimes that can look like um, on the opposite scale for example sometimes that might look like avoidance of the things we may not want to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone for example yeah right yeah so if we're talking about human emotions um, and hedonomic well-being these are one of the things that we're looking at yeah right so going towards emotions that <clears throat> are more pleasant to experience and seeking those out because they are good for our mental health and well-being absolutely and wanting to avoid the emotions that are, are less pleasant to experience yeah yeah, yeah okay. absolutely and then our second area is what we refer to as eudonomic well-being and so this is psychological health um, and being psychological well and knowing that we can fulfill um, our own goals and fulfill our own potential ah oh, so that's sort of like self-esteem and self-confidence yes. yeah and you know human functioning mm. yeah and how you feel um so like a deeper sense of meaning mm. purpose values yeah so this is what we're referring to in the second area of well-being so does our life and our life decision align with our goals and our values and our purpose 
Mm. And what is our purpose? Yeah, right. So that higher order stuff, you know, are we living in line with our values? Yes. Are we able to fulfill our purpose? Where, where do we derive our meaning from? These are all important concepts of wellness, but when we look at them separately, we can see how they all link together mm. and how we're all different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so our next... Um, area of wellness is when we look at um, self-actualization um, and so we're also looking at self-expression and are you are you able to live the life that you want to live do you um, are you comfortable enough within your own self to be able to make the decisions you want to make have the discussions you want to have um, and that's really important and do your goals align with who you are yeah okay so if we're looking at well-being as you're saying it's all interlinked and how it links into our mental health mm -hmm. you know we are innately we go towards pleasurable things and yes. things that bring comfort to mm -hmm. us and we also need for our mental health and well-being that connection to something higher that purpose that meaning and a good level of self-esteem and then that self-actualization process is that final level as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I suppose some people might be thinking, you know, when we're looking at poor mental health, when those things might not be on track, when we might be feeling a bit down, we might not feel like we're on our purpose, we might be feeling a bit lackluster with our self-esteem. What is the difference between that experience, which we all go through mm -hmm. from time to time, what's the difference between that experience and actually mental illness? The definition of mental illness is if we're using the biomedical model, it is defined as a mental disorder or a syndrome characterised by clinically significant disturbances in somebody's cognition, so how they think, emotional regulation and behaviour, and it is dysfunctional in some sort of way. So it causes a marked disruption to how that person functions for that period of time. And as I said earlier, you know, everybody drifts between good mental health, poor mental health, but for those who have a mental health condition, they will drift between good mental health, poor mental health, and then mental illness as well. And I know for me, um, living with a mental health condition, that poor mental health feels so very different to actually being unwell with my condition. So if we're thinking about what are some key differences here with poor mental health and mental illness. Mental illness or mental health conditions, they are a diagnosable health condition and so they need to be diagnosed by a doctor. There are specific and strict diagnostic criteria for mental health conditions. People need to have symptoms of whatever condition that is for a, a set duration of time. The symptoms are more severe than normal poor mental health and they last for longer. And when someone is unwell with a mental health condition, it may not be in response to a trigger. It may just, just happen. Whereas usually when we're going through a period of poor mental health, it's usually in response to a trigger. Maybe something sad has happened in our lives. We might be feeling stressed and overwhelmed. We might be off our purpose and off our path. Um, and they're all in response to life circumstances. Whereas for mental health conditions, there isn't necessarily a trigger. And similarly, when we're looking at the difference between poor mental health and mental illness, 
the symptoms do not lift with a mental health condition. So what I mean by that is let's say you're going through a period of poor mental health. You've broken up with somebody and you're, you're sad about that. You might catch up with a friend for a coffee or a drink. And while you're catching up with your mate, that mood lifts. You're able to engage in conversation. You're able to be present in the moment and you get some level of enjoyment from that. Whereas with, let's say, let's compare that to the experience of depression, if someone were to go out with a friend for a coffee or a drink, they may not get enjoyment out of it. It may not lift their mood. They may still be remaining sad or apathetic or, or whatever the mood state is for that person. And finally, the final two uh, differences between poor mental health and, and mental illness or a mental health condition is that for people who are unwell with a mental health condition, this will impact their functioning on a, a daily basis and usually all day, most of the day. And there will be distinct changes in the person's behavior, maybe their thinking, and also their emotions and how they're expressing their emotions and how they interact with others and the world around them. So they're really key differences. And we're not, when, for the rest of this conversation, we're not talking about this, we're more so talking about that everyday experience of poor uh, mental health. I do also wanna say one thing before we move on. And that's, there's this misperception that people who have a mental health condition are always unwell with it. And that's not necessarily true. Most people who have a mental health condition uh, actually live most of their life in mental wellness as well. So Dan, you were speaking about these three aspects of, of well-being. And when we're looking at mental health and well-being, there are these di dimensions, aren't there? There's like we can kind of categorize these dimensions into sort of broad areas of our overall health. I find it can be easier to remember the dimensions of well-being if we look at them or think about them in a wheel divided up and the wheel spins around. If one of our dimensions is not as full as it could be and we're lacking, our circle won't roll as well as what it could. So mm -hmm. when we think about the areas which I'm going to go through, if you even think about where you're sitting in that area at the moment and what might be some some activities or some ideas that you might be able to do for yourself to help bring that dimension of wellness up for your wheel to turn around mm. because when even like when you think about a bike wheels for example if you've got a flat tire it's a bit harder to roll and to get to where you want to go mm. so i find that um a good analogy I guess to thinking about the importance of each dimension so our dimensions are we have a physical dimension emotional psychological spiritual intellectual cognitive social occupational environmental cultural and financial We've got a lot of we've got a lot of wellness going on, don't we? There is. <laughs> There's a lot of areas. There's, there are so many different areas that make up who we are, mm. and we're yeah. all different. And I suppose for some people, if you're looking at those sort of dimensions of the wheel, for some people, some of those aspects may be smaller, and Absolutely. others it may may be bigger. Yes. So, for example, uh, perhaps spiritual health might be smaller for somebody 
and for another person that may actually be a really big component of their wellness wheel yes Mm. yes definitely but each area is interconnected as well um and so when we look at our physical well-being so our first aspect our first dimension of our wheel um we're looking at things like our overall health our nutrition exercise and the absence of illness Mm. or pain Mm. and some of those things might be diet do we have you know what is our diet do we have access to healthy food Um, nutritious diet hydration do we get enough water Um, what what within our diet are we eating a lot of processed foods Um, food high in saturated fats for example so eating a variety of whole foods so grains nuts vegetables um, for gut health so what we know is that 90% of our serotonin is actually made in the gut Mm. when I first learnt that that blew my mind Mm. yeah absolutely and when we look at physical activity and exercise that is also part of our wellness wheel so what do we each need so again we're all different how much exercise i might need um is different to for example for you sal because i know that you um engage in marathons oh yeah i love exercise (laughs) activity is important to me (laughs) so when we look at the differences between our exercise regimes they look very different Hmm. um so sleep yes so are you getting enough sleep what is a good what does a good sleep look like to you so it might be and we're we're all different but i would think the question here is when you wake up do you feel rested yeah instead of how many hours am i getting Mm -hmm. because we have all these um you know apps um i have an aura ring you know um there's lots of we measure a lot um through our apps these you know which is fantastic to be able to do that but how do we feel we we need to be thinking about bringing it back to us we know we're the experts on our own health and how we feel Mm. so do we feel rested when we wake up in the morning yeah that's a good point because i have a um a smartwatch that monitors or i can monitor my sleep level Mm -hmm. I stopped wearing it to bed because it was telling me I was getting really poor sleep and it started stressing me out before going to bed because I thought, oh, I'm not getting good quality sleep. And the minute I took that watch off, I would wake up feeling rested. Wow. So, yeah, just those psychological things as well. And I thought to myself, I don't need a watch to tell me how I'm sleeping. My body can tell me how I'm sleeping. Yeah, that's right. I, and I think sometimes, yeah, you're right, we can rely too heavily on on um, an app or, you know, we know how we feel within ourselves. Mm. We'll move on to the next dimension in our wellness wheel. Um, so that is psychological or emotional well-being. And it's a really big part of who we are. So we're looking at uh, emotional, psychological aspects. So stress management resilience emotional intelligence and the ability to cope with our life stresses 
Um, and psychological health, it plays such a large role in our overall wellness. Mm. <laughs> and looking at mental health, positive outlook, but also our emotional balance. Yeah, right. So it's sort of that, are you a glass half full versus a glass half empty type of person? And I don't say that to place judgment on either or, or because that's just part of our personality and a huge part of our personality is genetics. But absolutely, if you're geared towards that positive outlook, then you're probably going to have more positive emotions or feel good emotions mm. throughout your life. And I think the good thing is you can train yourself to have it more of a positive outlook as well. So it's not yeah. all, you're not locked into how you view life forever. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, going back to what you've just mentioned, Sal, about um, how you view life, say glass half empty, glass half full, for example, um, it can be the way we were raised. Yeah. So how we view the world is, um, you know, as to what did we see growing up? What were the views of our parents or our caregivers? What are the views of our friends around us, our family? And that can have a, a huge impact on how you see the world. Mm -hmm. um, spiritual well-being is also another dimension. And it's spiritual well-being is about that sense of purpose and meaning. Um, and it's often related to personal beliefs and your own values and your connection to something greater than yourself and sometimes I think there can be a bit of um, confusion around that spiritual domain as in religion mm. um, but it's not necessarily about religion when we're talking about spiritual well-being um, it doesn't mean that you don't have spiritual well-being if you don't follow a particular religion yeah I think that word could put people off if they don't follow an organised religion. And I know certainly for myself, before I knew what spiritual wellbeing was, myself who, who doesn't follow a, a religion, I would think, well, that's not really for me because I'm not a religious person. Mm -hmm. However, I've come to learn that it's so much bigger than that. But it, it, we do actually know that people who are um, who do follow a religion and who are religious statistically report higher levels of mental health and well-being compared to those who don't mm. and for me also I think part of spiritual health is that feeling awe and wonderment around the world yes. and being connected to something bigger so for me the, the two big things that really are a part of my spiritual health is surfing or being out in the ocean you know it's something that's much bigger than me it's expansive it's been around for millennia it will continue to be around for many many years after I'm gone and and the other one is looking up at the night sky like to me that is so awe-inspiring but also grounding as well yeah absolutely I have to agree there I love that I love how you've articulated that and I think it's really important that you've mentioned that surfing for example is a part of your spirituality because it can be, it doesn't have to be a religion. It can be something that's, you know, as you say, something that's bigger than you, something that you enjoy. Mm. We also have our intellectual or our cognitive well-being as well with our domains. So we're looking at um, our curiosity, our learning. What do we want to learn about? 
What are we curious about? Do we find out more information? Are we going to go and look up that little bit of, um, you know, it's like the thread that you pull, like you might hear something and then you'd be like, oh yes. <laughs> and then you just keep following that thread more and more. Going down the rabbit hole, some might say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, our brain loves learning and, you know, um, learning new things. Mm. And it's really an important part of our wellness. Yeah, absolutely. I know that if I feel like I'm stagnating intellectually, then I don't feel that good about myself. I always need to be following something that I'm curious about to feel like I'm at my best self. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we need to also be using our creativity and our imagination. So as children, children are always playing, um, using their imagination. And I think as adults, as we get older, we lose that sense yeah. of imagination and sense of play. So at times I talk about the inner inner child um, and just being curious. That's a really good point because I did have a question. And I, because again, I, I keep reflecting upon myself as you're talking. And for me, a big part of what makes me feel mentally healthy is playing and it's being fun and joyful, having a great laugh and just finding the enjoyment in, in life and whatever I'm doing. And I was going to ask, where would that fit in? Is it intellectual, cognitive? Is it emotional well-being? Is it some other aspect of, of well-being? Is it sort of a bit of everything? Yeah, it's the intellectual or the cognitive yeah, well-being. Right. So yeah. it's that sense of play. Um, and that sense of, you know, that sense of humour mm. as well. So bringing humour um, is great. Um, and it's a big part of who we are as humans. Mm. So we have social well-being. Um, and that really is about exactly how it sounds. Are we, do we connect well with others? Are we in connection with others? Are we feeling accepted by society? Do we have a community that we belong to? Do we have family and friends that love us? Someone we can depend on, rely on? Someone at the end of the phone? Social um, connections and relationships. It's a big part of our wellness wheel. Yeah, absolutely. We have environmental well-being as well. So that includes the relationship between people and their surroundings. So one of the questions I want to ask you, Sal, is when we think about environmental well-being, and this is just a generalisation, how do you feel when you're in a room full of clutter? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't like clutter. I don't like untidiness. I feel chaotic in my brain my brain reflects the chaos in my surroundings yeah and I feel I yeah it's not for me yeah <laughs> it's not and, for my wellness yes and isn't it funny how the environment can impact how we feel absolutely I was reading something that if we do have clutter around us it's signaling to our brain although we won't be conscious of it signaling to our brain that uh, there is still work to do. You yes. can't completely relax because yes. you've got your washing everywhere and you've got dishes in your sink and all of that sort yeah. of thing and you can't completely have that rest. 
Yeah, that is very true. And and it absolutely impacts how we're feeling. It impacts our wellness. Um, so my next question, so you've talked about your love of surfing and being outdoors. So tell me about how being in the outdoors, how does that make you feel when we're thinking about wellness? It makes me feel calm. It's, I think it's a big part of spiritual health as well because I think being outside connects you to to the ground, to the earth, to land, and it just gives me that sense of presence and grounding and in the moment. Mm. If I am in a city environment or inside for too long, I feel too enclosed and too trapped in a way. I think I would feel really claustrophobic if I lived in a big city Mm, yeah absolutely and I'm I'm very much the same Uh, I know when I go into the city um, not very often do I go in I love going in but when I go in I feel very different also what comes to mind is as you know I do like to run I like to run outside and if I am in let's say a big city I don't really know it that well or in a different setting where I just feel a little unsafe would that sense of safety within your environment also be important for mental health and well-being because I know where I live I feel pretty safe to run around the streets I feel safe enough to do it in the evening when it's getting dark is that a big part of our well-being that sense of safety in our environment it is a big part of our well-being because if we don't feel safe in our environment we're unable to think clearly we're unable to process emotions because we are feeling unsafe and we're feeling like we have to be on edge so it does impact when a person's in an unsafe environment as in to how the person's feeling in their sensory overload one of the things that I just want to talk about environment before I move on to the next um, dimension of well-being is pets and having a, an, an animal that you share your home with um, because that can improve and increase your environmental well-being. That is no surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't think it would be. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, my um, so having animals is a really important part of my well-being. So, you know, dogs, horses, and being around them is just, it makes me just feel so, um, it really, oh, I just love it. That's it. (laughs) I just love it. I can't articulate it because it feels that good. (laughs) Um, So cultural well-being is also very important. Um, so depending on what cultural background you are, your cultural identity, and how much you align with your cultural identity. When we're looking at cultural identity, we're also thinking about traditions and customs and heritage. And people who are very strongly connected to culture generally do report higher levels of well-being. So similar, similar to when we were talking about the um, when we were talking about religion earlier. 
So we've had quite a few discussions, you and I, about financial well-being um, because it's we both find it quite interesting. What are some of the things that you you think of? For me, I think when I think about financial well-being, it I think more about being in control of your finances. I think about am I spending my money in a way that first of all offers me security and then that aligns with my values as well. And they're the decisions I make when I do spend money. You know, is it is this a want? Is this a spur of the moment want? Or is this a need that I mm -hmm. actually re am required to have as a necessity? And then second of all, I think I weigh up, you know, what, what are my values? I love to travel. That's a big value of mine. Most of my money, unnecessary money, <laughs> goes towards travel. And so I sacrifice other things. Yeah. I would say though, I'm in, pri in a pretty pr privileged position to feel that I do have that control over my finances. Mm -hmm. But those are the two things I would say when it comes to my financial health. Do I have security and do I have control? Yeah, absolutely. And I really like how you've summed up um, financial wellbeing. Our final domain that I'd like to talk about is our occupational wellbeing. So what we know is that the more choice we have over our occupation, and the role or the job that we have, it impacts our well-being. So the less choice we have, so for example, if you dislike your job, your current job, um, but you feel like you don't have a choice in going to work, um, compared to, for example, a person who loves their job, which person do you think will have, do you think will have perceived higher well-being? mental well-being i'm gonna say the one who loves their job or yeah. who enjoys their job thinks they have some level of control over their job their career mm -hmm. as well i would imagine that having a career path that aligns with your purpose and values would be an important part of occupational health as well i mean i always think you spend a lot of your time at work you, um, you might as well be doing something you enjoy or that brings you joy if you can some people don't have that choice, but if you do have that choice and control, absolutely, I think why not do something that you, you would like to pursue? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And you'd be right, it is the person who has the most control um, about where they want to work, what hours that they want to work, what tasks does the person do at work? And as you say, does that, um, the tasks or the, the employment that you're doing, does that align with your values? So we've talked about the dimensions of well-being. So could I ask, Sal, do you have some strategies mm. that you can share with us? Yes. To promote overall, when we think about overall mental health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Do I have some strategies? <laughs> I've got one or two. <laughs> I've got a few, so buckle, <laughs> buckle in. <laughs> um, so first of all, I think, you know, as you've heard, we've got quite a few dimensions and it can be a little bit overwhelming to think about, especially if you weren't aware of those dimensions. I wasn't aware financial health was a thing. But then talking about it and conceptualizing it, you think, yeah, it is. It does contribute to my well-being. 
So I think the first step when you're thinking about strategies is to first of all identify what are the areas you're kicking goals in? What are are you doing well in? I know for me, as I was saying, I like activity. I like to eat whole foods. I'm pretty, pretty conscious about that sort of stuff. I would say I'm kicking goals with that. When it comes to other areas of my health, such as let's say spiritual health, cultural health, you know, I could be doing that better, I think, or I could be dedicating more time to that. So I think that's the first step. What are you doing really well? And what are some areas that you would like to prioritize and think about what could you be doing better? I will say that some of these strategies that we have come up with, you know, uh, might be appropriate for neurotypical brains, maybe not that appropriate for neurodivergent brains as well. And interestingly, I one of my friends asked me, um, she was asking, how do I promote my mental health and well-being? And the things, if the things I do to promote my mental health and well-being actually help with my mental health condition. And that made me really think. And what I'm about to talk about, I would say, they wouldn't help when I'm going through moderate or more intense symptoms of my mental health condition. However, they are useful when I'm going through more milder symptoms or milder episodes. And I really do think that they are important in keeping me well and keeping others well and probably prevent you know, milder symptoms turning into moderate symptoms or me having moderate symptoms for a long time or then they progress into intense symptoms. Another thing I want to say is it's really tiresome when you do have a mental health condition and if you are experiencing a period of when you are well with it, for people to say, just take a walk, you know, those sorts of things. They're good for our overall mental health not so good when you're not feeling great and that actually is a a thing that you literally cannot do for yourself as well. So these are strategies to employ when you're well and to keep you well. For physical health, my strongest suggestion would be to stop looking at activity as exercise. I think that's a really big barrier. I love that. Yeah, for people moving their body. As, as we've established, I like to move my body a lot. <laughs> I, I go to the gym. I run a lot. I am quite active. I never look at doing any of those things. I never think of it as exercise. Yep. I think of it as activity, and I enjoy it immensely. I love that. And I think when we are wondering about what exercise to do, that can be off-putting because we may think, I need to go for a run. I need to go to the gym, I need to lift weights. I would recommend thinking about what form of activity do you enjoy? Is it walking? Is it yoga? Is it Mm. dancing? Is it Tai Chi? What is it that you enjoy doing? Because that's going to have incredible benefits to your mental health and well-being and reframing that. Well, I'm glad that you said dancing because I have to say I love dancing. Yes. It's not uncommon for me to be dancing with music around my house um i love it so much and that is my movement and i just dance that saying dance like nobody's watching (laughs) yeah and if they were bonus to them exactly (laughs) yeah it's an incredible mood booster yeah 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 so that would be my first tip around looking at physical health my second one would be 
If you're thinking about what you're eating and nutrition, again, I don't like the term diet. I That's got the term yeah. die in it. Exactly. Yeah, diet has <laughs> the a term word. die in it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like we associate with diet culture and mm. following a prescribed way of eating, and I think that's incredibly restrictive. I just like to think, what am I putting in my body? What nutrition am I having? Uh, is predominantly what I'm putting in my body fuel for me is it going to be helpful I personally um, am a vegetarian and doing that transition I had to really increase my nutrition literacy mm-hmm. and through that process I learned about whole grains and all of that sort of stuff so I eat, try to eat as many whole grains as I can And that was a very gradual process over a couple of years. So I would encourage you to think, what are some very small changes you can make? Mm. Don't do the whole 180 because that's hard. Yeah. And it's just thinking about what are some, can you add some extra spinach to something that you're making, for example? I love that. Mm. And it's, I like how you said small changes. So it can be, you know, tiny changes yeah because sometimes I find that people uh, and I say people but myself um, from my own human experience (laughs) have set these ginormous goals and Mm. so many of them Mm. and one of them has been nutrition many times yeah and then I go and you know I do my meal plan. I do my grocery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My grocery, my trolley looks like nothing I've ever bought before. <laughs> and most of it I don't know how to even prepare. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I fall off the wagon. Yeah. And then I, you know, often, oh, well, you know, get that beat up in yeah, your mind. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be unsustainable. It's. It's really that habit forming and thinking about, you know, cruising through the grocery aisle and thinking what's easy. I know for me, the reason why I said a bag of spinach, because I know that's easy. I can chuck it in whatever and yeah. it's just already giving me an extra vegetable. Yeah. Um, and if you do decide to do the whole 180 and that works, totally fine. Yeah. But there's often a big payout, um, like you you have to sacrifice finances and time as well because mm-hmm. you know saying that you're buying stuff you don't know how to cook <laughs> <laughs> that takes time away from doing other things yeah so I think it's it's part of that and then not beating yourself up you know we we're never perfect and a big part of nutrition and what I eat I also think I split up to um what's going to be good for my body, but what's going to be good for my mind. Mm. You know, that soul food. Yes. Having some chocolate from time to time. Oh. Having some chips. You know, that to me is feeding the soul because you enjoy it. It's your comfort food. And yes. I think giving your permission, yourself permission to actually acknowledge that the foods that we've often been told is bad or whatever you do to, that you, whatever you eat to enjoy is okay, it's fine, it's feeding your soul. Mm-hmm. It's good for your your, your well-being. Mm. Um, so those would be the things I would suggest. We've spoken about sleep hygiene in terms of... And we will look at sleep in a, a separate podcast as well and get into sleep po- hygiene there, but thinking about um, reducing electronics, all that sort of thing that's going to impact your ability to relax, feel calm, and then get off to sleep. Well... So on sleep hygiene, I know we're going to cover that in another episode, but what might be one or two top tips Mm. when we think about 
um, sleep hygiene that you that is um, beneficial? I think my two tips would be first of all thinking about environmental control. I I cannot stand sound. It's just a quirk that I have. <laughs> and I went and I bought myself some very expensive and fancy earplugs that are wonderful <laughs> um, and that really block out any sound. So thinking about your environmental control and we know that a quiet environment is going to be better mm-hmm. for getting to sleep quickly and having a good quality sleep. Also, for me personally, it's that wind down time as well. So I try not to check my phone, social media. That includes messages after about seven o'clock because I know that it takes actually a couple of hours for my brain to wind down. Melatonin. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And just for that stress management, this necessarily isn't linked to sleep. It is in a way because it's part of relaxing and switching off, but I don't have notifications on my phone for my work emails. I don't actually have... Me either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't actually have um, Teams on my phone because I know for me that's going to impact my rest time and it's a barrier between work and home life. And I that will then impact my sleep. consider taking that off my phone. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it because <laughs> I think that can wait until tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So those would be my two biggest tips for sleep hygiene. Yeah. Thank you for that. Love mm. those. Um, what about for emotional mm. and psychological? What What are some tips you've got there? Ah, uh, mindfulness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very popular at the moment. Uh, it's a big, big buzzword. Uh, there are limitations to mindfulness, which we won't get into in this episode. But mindfulness is evidence-based to help with our overall emotional well-being. It, it does help us stay in the present, in the moment. It does help us be able to have a, a higher level of awareness of the emotion we're feeling in the moment without really buying into that emotion and being able to process that emotion. And I personally do use mindfulness myself. I do find it very helpful for regulating my psychological and emotional health. Mm-hmm. So that's a really fundamental tool, I might say. There are a lot of apps out there that will help. I use an app that helps with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It helps me keep me grounded. Yep. I think a key thing around emotions, and it's sort of what you were talking about earlier, Dan, when we're going towards pleasure and we're staying away from pain, we have a tendency to label emotions as good or bad, negative, mm. positive. We label ev- anything or everything good or bad, absolutely. don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I think an important part of emotional health and well-being is reframing that. So I usually say emotions that make us feel good mm-hmm. and emotions that make us feel uncomfortable because part of our emotional health is feeling the whole spectrum of emotions part of our emotional health and well-being is feeling sad, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, irritable, whatever it may be that causes that level of discomfort, but being able to work through it and Mm -hmm. not bottle it up or not push it down, suppress it and think, you know, I'm going to move towards happiness, so I'm not even going to think about it. We actually need to sit in the emotion when we're feeling it. Mm, And we need to learn to sit with that discomfort. Absolutely. And you know what? That resolves the emotional discomfort a lot more quickly than trying to push it away, push Mm. it away. And the process. And 
It's it's interesting that you talk about emotions and bottling them up or pushing them down. Um, An emotion like crying, for Mm. example, is one that we often... Oh, I'm crying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we need to work through it. Yeah. And we, we need to not feel uncomfortable with displaying uncomfortable emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like what you're saying, Dan, in terms of that gym, you know, back to leg day. <laughs> it's like we, don't like we don't like feeling sad, but actually feeling sad is helpful for us in that moment because at the other end of that we get that sort of release and then once we've felt that sadness we've had that cry we think what next yeah what can we do next we've we've gotten we've moved that through our body essentially Mm -hmm. a really lovely quote um that i think about when i'm thinking about emotions and labeling emotions it's actually from hamlet um so it's shakespeare and it's there is nothing either good or bad but thinking makes it so and I love that because I feel like everything is actually neutral. It's very it's just, profound. It really is. It's yeah. just our human perception going back to that labelling as good or bad. So, again, I would say try not to think of emotions as bad or good. And that also leads into we cannot numb the unpleasant emotions without numbing the pleasant emotions. To be able to feel those those sweet moments where we feel joy and happiness and elation to feel them in their entirety we need to feel sadness in its entirety we otherwise need to we anger. wouldn't know what that emotion is or what that feels like exactly absolutely so those would be my real big tips around that and if we're thinking about other aspects of emotional health like resilience thinking about how do we problem solve practicing gratitude all of those things are also important for our our emotional health Mm -hmm. but we're going to park them for now and we will look at those concepts in greater detail later down the track fantastic so what about some tips for our social well-being really making an effort to stay connected so so staying connected with your core social groups your core networks making time for people i personally think the people in my life friends family partners whoever it may be pets they're at a higher priority to me than work is Mm -hmm. so wherever possible i will prioritize my social networks because personally i know they are so important when you're going through hard times oh absolutely i couldn't agree more yeah and so it's important to nourish your social connections and networks. Chatting to people when you're out and about. I'm introverted. I don't really like chit-chat, but I make an effort to do so because I know that ultimately it will actually make my day better by having small talk with strangers that I just so happen to buy coffee from, go and do my groceries from, that sort of thing. See, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum there, Sally. Mm-hmm. I... I'm extroverted and I will have a conversation with anybody. I once started up a conversation in the toilet at the Avalon Airport flying to Adelaide and we are still friends to this day. And we sat on the plane together by chance (laughs) next to each other. We had the same ticket. See, you know, I have to force myself to do something like that. It does not come naturally to me. Uh, um, also, what I like to do is do a, uh, what I call like a friend check. 
so like thinking this. yeah so check in with your friends not so much as going to your friends and saying hey how are you going but thinking to yourself okay of the people i have in my life are they adding value mm. i'm very protective with who i let in and who i give my time to when it comes to my social networks and thinking about can you be yourself your ultimate self without fear of judgment around the people yes and do you accept me for who i am absolutely do you respect my values yes. even if our values don't align do you respect mine and yeah. i respect yours and if that is not the case yeah they may not be adding value to your life yeah and also thinking about again if the chips were down, whatever was happening in your life, yes. are they going to be there? Are they going to support you? Are they not going to judge you for whatever's happening? Yep. And also I think what's really important when it comes to fulfilling and nurturing relationships and friendships and partnerships and family is thinking about are they genuinely supportive and happy when things are going well, when things are going my way? Yep, great. Or is there a hint of jealousy there? And... I, it might be brutal to some people, but I think about with everyone I have in my life, am I getting returns on my investments? You know, if I'm going to spend time with someone and carve time out for a particular person, a friend, mm -hmm. family member, partner, are they going to do the same for me? Yep. If not, am I being shortchanged? Mm -hmm. No, I really like, yeah. I really like how you, how you, and it's just about reframing you know, doing your friends check. Yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes we meet new friends, sometimes we fall away from friends that, you know, we have nothing in common with anymore, yeah. for example. Yeah. We all grow as people. Um, but, yeah, I really like how you've, I think that you've summed that up mm. really well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My final two points on social health would be to surround yourself with friend, people who make you laugh, kind of buying into that cognitive um, side of health and well-being. So important. Yeah, and who who you have fun with. I actually said I had two. I've got three. So that's, <laughs> that's not like you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So that was my first one. <laughs> my um, third one is, sorry, no, my second one is to set boundaries mm. and again we'll go into boundaries later on but set boundaries with people you will find that your connections actually grow by setting boundaries mm -hmm. and one thing that i do personally that i have found to help is this is especially when i'm feeling a bit tired a bit worn out um even like starting to become a little bit depressed i delete social media off my phone because I feel so overwhelmed by the so many messages and you know what I love them they're my friends and they're it's great to connect but there are times where it makes me feel overwhelmed mm. to a point where I feel like I can't reply to everybody and that makes me feel guilty and then that sets me on a bit of a spiral mm -hmm. into feeling ashamed and so to stop that I actually limit or get rid of my social media for those periods of time Yep. And I've put that into social health because I think it's important. We can feel a bit burnt out from, especially in this day and age with technology and being completely accessible around the clock, that can make us feel a bit burnt out. Yep. And so I'm better to somebody if I can offer quality time, not quantity time. Yeah, I agree. I love that. There's been times where I've 
um, similar, deleted mm. my social media. Up until not long ago, I had all my notifications off. Yeah. And I'm finding it um, distracting, to say yes. the least. Yes. So now I have my notifications on, and I never used to, not on my social media stuff. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I might need to rethink that and take some of your yeah. <laughs> suggestions. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I find that to be actually really quite helpful. And, again, I suppose it comes down to your boundaries as well. Because I think that the people that need you and that know you will pick up the phone. Exactly. You know, they, They've all got yeah. my number. They know where I am. Yeah. If they yeah. need me, they're going to pick up the phone anyway. They're not going to send me a message yeah. on social absolutely. media. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So moving along to spiritual health, mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness again, you know, I said mindfulness for psychological, emotional health. It can also be a spiritual practice, um, spiritual practices such as yoga. And these, again, are not linked to any particular religion. They are considered to be spiritual practices. I think finding things that make you feel awe-inspired, what what instills that wonderment in you? What makes you feel that amount of awe and alive and alive Mm. yeah absolutely thinking about what brings you meaning and purpose often that's usually what we're passionate about as well and can I just ask I'm just curious on that you know that awe and you know what brings you meaning can that change throughout your life do you think yeah I, I look. I think if I think about myself, I've always been interested in the stars and the mm-hmm. universe and the so night some sky. things yeah. are foundational almost. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I the the effects, I love the stars too. Yeah, the, yeah. I love grounding myself out in nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That. And same with the ocean. The effect both have had on me has never diminished. Yeah. I still feel the same amount of awe looking at the night sky as I did when I was a little kid. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good measuring point to mm. think about what makes you feel awe-inspired. Yeah. And I suppose throughout life we can also collect more things that make us feel awe-inspired as yeah, well. Yeah, once we experience the experience, because yeah. we might not, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they're important things. Um, and again, connecting to something bigger. Thinking about how you, do you understand the world around you? So thinking about those bigger questions. So what happened before we were here? Mm. What happens when we die? And making sense of these profound questions in a way that feels right for you mm. as well, mm-hmm. I think is really important. Yep, I love that. Really important. Yeah. And that sort of links into environmental too, in mm. a way. And if we're thinking about our environmental health, again, thinking about your home environment, again, some people, we, we may not have entire control over our home environments. So thinking about what is within your control that you can declutter or or make a nice peaceful calm place for you to retreat to that's a home that's a sanctuary for you it may just be a room that you can control but thinking about that I hmm. think for some people that might be um, a lock on their front door so it's what does it mean to that person yeah you know to feel safe yeah yeah absolutely and also thinking about um, 
nature again yes can you connect to nature in some way it might be even you know if you're living in an apartment it might be if you've got a balcony or opening a window Mm -hmm. and sitting in the sun and doing another activity but you're getting some sort of contact with nature grounding can you put your bare feet on the ground you know can you sometimes if I've got a busy day and I don't have time to spend outside I'll go out into my yard with bare feet Mm -hmm. for a moment or two Mm-hmm. And that enough for me is, is a grounding activity. What cultures do you feel connected to? Maybe research cultures that you feel connected to, speak with community members, family, friends. And I would encourage you to think of culture beyond what we may think as, you know, particular ethnographic cultural groups. Mm-hmm. So, for example... My family, my extended family, are Northern European, and so there's a Northern European culture there. But also, I'm part of the running culture as well. So we don't necessarily need to think about where do we come from, mm-hmm. and that's our only source of culture. There's a surfing culture, for example. So yeah. thinking beyond that ethnographic cultural group as yeah. well. I, like, I really like that. And also when we think about culture, thinking about being able to reflect on your own values and your own culture and your own traditions within your own family Mm. Um, because I find that when we're thinking about culture I think it starts with us Mm. because we can't learn about other people's culture for example and thinking about ethnicity unless we know about our own yeah yeah absolutely Mm. thinking about what sparks your curiosity what would you like to learn can be anything that nourishes that thinking component of your brain it's like following those little threads Mm. um what skill would you like to master you might be learning a language or um playing an instrument or something like that or for example if you are going overseas traveling um you might want to learn the culture and the language of the place where you're actually going because I feel like that is very respectful and it's also important when we think about the intellectual and the cognitive um, you know things that we can do to improve our wellness Mm -hmm. learning a new language yeah absolutely for me personally I love history Mm -hmm. and so that that can help with my um, intellectual and cognitive health but it goes back to what you were saying Dan around creativity as well so what enhances your creativity so it may be drawing music listening to music going to a art gallery um, whatever else is is sparking that creativity for you it may be engaging in fantasy you know mm. reading and engaging your imagination because the two are linked so it might be reading reading non-fiction thinking about what do you, what can you watch or what movies can you uh, engage yourself with that are going to spark that creative but also imaginative side of your brain and it's sort of that escapism too it gives you a break from other things that are happening in your life mm. as well yep mm. yeah that's fantastic I love that so my final thing on cognitive health is on one side we've got using the brain and engaging your brain and on the other side of that we have resting the brain so taking time to rest your brain be bored 
to be able to daydream. And fun fact, if we are mindlessly scrolling on social media, we're not resting our brain. Mm. It's actually telling our brain we're multitasking. Yes. And the light is also coming into our eyes and saying, be awake. It's not time to rest. So by all means, scroll, but don't use your scrolling time as your brain resting time. Um, Interestingly, though, on the other side, watching TV is, is considered resting your brain because you're engaging in one thing. What I like to do is I like to give my brain time to be bored every day. And so usually if I'm driving into or out of work, I won't listen to anything. I won't listen to music. I won't have a podcast on. I let my brain be bored. And it's a time for reflection as well, which is also really important for our cognitive health. If I'm waiting in line, I try really hard not to scroll on social media or do something to distract me. I try to use that time as a a time to be bored and to have that micro rest for my brain as well. Mm, Mm. I try and do that too, Sal. I like, yeah, yeah, I like, especially after a busy day, I like to drive home and just think about the day and reflect instead of having the radio on a podcast or... Um, you know, sometimes even taking a phone call in, yeah. in the car on the way home. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, I suppose it's been boundaried around mm. how you're using your brain and when you're using your brain. Moving on to occupational health. Now, this is a bit difficult because I do want to recognise that for some people, uh, you might have a lot of freedom around your occupational health. For others, you may not have as much freedom And it's not about beating yourself up if you don't have that much freedom. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is to think about what can you change and what can't you change. Mm -hmm. The things you can't change are not really worth thinking about. They're probably just going to cause you a bit of stress. So thinking about what can you change. And so having a reflection around, you know, have you been able to explore your career opportunities? Are there opportunities for that exploration? Uh, Do you feel fulfilled in your job? Does your job bring a certain amount of joy? Obviously not all the time. There are always going to be parts of your job that you're not enjoying. Ebbs Ebbs and and flows. flows. (laughs) But are most parts of your job bringing you that fulfillment? Yeah. Using your your workplace as a way to maximise your social health as well. So are there people in your workplace who you connect with, who you can form friendships with and that sort of thing? Can you change your roles if you want to as well? how are you contributing to that workplace culture mm. you know be the change you want to be if there are things in your workplace culture that aren't really connecting with you and it might actually be a matter of looking outside the workplace for fulfilling your occupational health so thinking about volunteering perhaps if you've got the time and means to do so and finally I'll find natural health <laughs> <laughs> so like without occupational health There will be people who have more freedom with this and people who have less freedom with this. But thinking about what can you control with your financial aspirations. So do you feel comfortable? Do you have a sense of security? What is within your control here too? It might be thinking about uh, setting up a budget if you don't have, have one or setting another financial goal such as, you know, is there an amount you want to save by a particular time? Making sure it's achievable as well, so you're not setting yourself up for failure. Or it might even be um, a particular bill that, or, you know, an old credit card or something that you might be able to stop using. Yeah. And then 
start trying to pay that down and doing like a domino of your, you know, starting with the smallest one first because it can be quite daunting when you're in financial, um, I don't want to use the word trouble, but stress, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So wanting to eliminate those avenues where you have to pay money back Mm. for a certain thing. And having, you know, I think too, especially when you're in a partnership, um, I know my husband and I, um, when we you know I guess we sort of many years ago we used to have this sort of unwritten rule where if one of us wanted to spend depended what it was but if one of us wanted to spend something and it was a tight week um and it was say over a hundred dollars or a hundred and fifty dollars we'd have to wait at least 24 hours and we'd talk to the other person about the purchase yeah because it comes back to the value yes absolutely and yeah again that sort of leads on to the next point around Mm -hmm just evaluating does your spending align with your values yeah if you do have some expendable money is what you're choosing to spend that money on bringing you joy Mm. as well yeah is it bringing you what you want in life to live that fulfilled life that brings you quality and purpose as well Mm -hmm. and finally what i would say in terms of strategies for your financial health and well-being is to increase your financial literacy if you can so learning about finances learning how to accumulate finances if that's something you're interested in Mm -hmm. learning about financial security and and ways in which you you may be able to achieve that i do want to finish up that saying when we talk about finances there may be a level of shame for some people it's usually like a hidden secretive sort of thing Mm. we don't really talk about money and if finances bring up a sense of shame for you i would explain encourage you to explore that because that can actually be a barrier in terms of moving forward with your financial health and so it might just be a individual reflection for yourself or it may also be thinking about professional help perhaps so maybe like psychologist space or the financial space Mm. as well okay dan that's all of the offerings that i have in terms of tips and tricks and strategies for promoting our mental health and well-being and I think a lot of people will hopefully have maybe taken away one or two things to start off with and to reflect upon and to Mm -hmm. perhaps even write down and think about what are some areas of wellness that they might consider changing up a little bit yeah yeah fantastic So thinking, like, if we're going to conclude, what are your final thoughts around this? How would you sum this up? Well, look, I would sum it up as, though, be kind and gentle to yourself. Don't try to do it all. And just take one or two things and look at, um, you know, if that's what you want to do, and look at how you can use those one or two small things to make some um, changes toward the well-being that you would like to see within yourself. That would be my um, highlights or my final thoughts. So what are your final thoughts, Sel? Mine are probably on the same sentiment as yours. I think keep it simple, take one step at a time and do things that you enjoy and that work for you. I think for me anyway, they're they're sure tickets to making those changes and those changes being sustainable changes as well. Mm. Small steps, doing things you enjoy. Yeah, great. Yeah. So 
with that, we're going to go and promote our own mental health and wellness. We're going to pop a bottle of champagne to celebrate our first episode. Yes, we of are. Get a grip. <laughs> so we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. And to find out about future episodes, you can follow us on Instagram at Get a Grip Podcast, where we will announce each episode as it comes out. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. A quick reminder that this is not intended for any medical advice. These are general conversations. If you are concerned about yourself or someone else, please seek the appropriate medical help. If you have enjoyed this episode of Get a Grip, please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be kept up to date with new episodes and content. Please also feel free to leave us a little review as this helps us reach new audience members and grow our show.